Hello and welcome to Voices of VA Research. I'm Mitch Merkin with VA Research Communications, and today our topic is the use of mindfulness to help veterans who are struggling with PTSD or post-traumatic stress disorder. My guests today are two researchers who have been at the forefront of studying this topic in VA. They are both psychiatrists. Dr. Lori Davis is the Associate Chief of Staff for Research at the VA Medical Center in Tuscaloosa, Alabama. She's also a professor at the University of Alabama Health System in both Tuscaloosa and Birmingham. Dr. J. Douglas Bremner is the Director of Mental Health Research at the Atlanta VA Medical Center, and he's also a professor at the Emory Clinical Neuroscience Research Unit at Emory University School of Medicine. Dr. Bremner is also the author of several books, some of which deal with the risks of prescription drugs. I want to welcome you both to Voices of VA Research. Dr. Bremner, let me start with you. Um, the concept of mindfulness uh, has a long tradition in other cultures uh, in one form or another, but here in the U.S. it's really caught on rather dramatically in the past few years. So before we get into the particulars of the type of mindfulness that you both have been studying in VA and among veterans, and its applications for PTSD. Let me ask a general question about mindfulness. So in a nutshell, how would you explain what mindfulness is for people who are unfamiliar with the concept? Uh, and is it the same as meditation? What's the relationship between mindfulness and meditation? Well, first I'd, I'd like to say uh, thank you, Mitchell, for having us and, and for highlighting this, this topic. Our pleasure. There's, there's a long history um, in the, the Buddhist religion of many of the principles of mindfulness that you can think about mindfulness as, in fact, some people in the West uh, taking some of those ideas and, and reformulating them in a way that is useful or accessible to, you know, people from Western cultures. Mm. The, uh, one, of the, one of the first pioneers is John Kabat-Zinn, who's at the University of Massachusetts. He started the Center for Mindfulness. Mm. And Dr. Davis and I have been uh, collaborating with James Carmody, who's a psychologist and the director of research for the Center for Mindfulness. And what Dr. Kabat-Zinn has done, he's, he's written several books with titles such as Wherever You Go, There You Are. Um, he's taking these principles of, of being in the moment, in the here and now, and not focusing too much on things in the past and things in the future, and being aware of your thoughts as they pass through uh, and not being judgmental about your thoughts, but not letting them control your um, emotion or behavior as well. And it incorporates various elements, including um, meditation. Um, there's something called the body scan, which is going through the different parts of your body and being aware of your body. And it helps reduce anxiety, and we think it's particularly relevant for PTSD, um, for combat veterans, because it, it teaches people to be in the moment, in the present, and not to be thinking about, you know, that combat engagement if they had done things different when they were in, they were in Iraq or worrying about the future, you know, catastrophizing about things that are going to come in, in, the, in the future. Yeah, uh, this is Lori Davis, and definitely thank you also for, uh, for having this um, uh, very interesting podcast topic. Hmm. Um, I'd also like to add to what Doug said, that um, mindfulness stress-based reduction is a form of meditation that has some didactic components, some also physical uh, experiential components that we'll go into in a little bit. 
But mainly that term differentiates it from other forms of meditation, such, such as mantra mm-hmm. meditation, where you're focusing on a word or a sound as you meditate, and then also transcendental meditation. So I think that there's a way that this uh, label for it um, begins to help direct people into what the sessions may entail. Okay, and thank you both for that excellent overview of mindfulness, uh, including its applications for veterans, uh, and you touched on the specific form of mindfulness that you've been looking at in your research, and that is MBSR, um, which of course stands for Mindfulness-Based Stress Reduction, and as you mentioned, it was developed at the University of Massachusetts Medical School uh, starting back in the late 70s. Uh, Dr. John Kabat-Zinn, of course, is uh, known by many people as, as one of the uh, pioneers in this, uh, and it's very common in healthcare settings today, as you also noted. So could you explain in a nutshell uh, more specifically the format of MBSR? So a veteran gets involved in that or, or anyone out there enrolls in an MBSR program. What will that look like? What exactly would they do? How long would it last? What types of activities would they be doing when they go to the meetings? Oh, yes. So this is um, our particular methods. Uh, were also used by other investigators. Um, there are about eight, um, 90, to 90 minutes to two hours sessions and a half-day retreat involved in the actual practice, the curriculum, as some people call it. Um, it includes uh, mostly the sessions are laid out, um, building upon one session after the next. So it's important that people make a commitment to start and finish and go through the eight weeks without missing um, and, and uh, different weeks because it, it adds to one week after the other. Um, the session one is real meet and greet, open orientation. Some simple yoga helps uh, begin to focus the mind and body. There's some exercises called mindful eating, um, particularly having to do with uh, sampling fruit um, while a person is uh, being aware of their body and the sensations. Getting to know how to do abdominal breathing with some guided breathing, focusing on the breath, and use of what Doug already mentioned, the body scan practice. So these are deep relaxation techniques uh, that may also overlap with other types of uh, relaxation therapy. I see. Each session is followed by a homework practice. So that's also very important. Usually a recording of some uh, guided meditation is given um, in, in some form of, of audio recording so that the, uh, the, the person going through this, the, the veteran, can practice at home, keeping a journal of some sort, and then coming back into the next session, there is a period where homework uh, is discussed and shared within the group. Um, Okay, I think that gives us a pretty good overview of the specific format of MBSR. Let me ask you both specifically about PTSD. Uh, of course, there are uh, existing evidence-based treatments for PTSD, uh, usually involving, involving psychological counseling, 
in either an individual or group setting, and very often involving some medication as well, usually antidepressants. So given those treatments that are available, why would veterans want something like mindfulness or why would they need it? Why would it be an attractive option for some veterans? Well, medications can have side effects. Many people don't want to take medication, especially for psychiatric reasons. And, and the, the commonly form, used psychotherapies, which are evidence-based, include cognitive behavioral therapy for PTSD, that involves um, an exposure to memories of traumatic events, and, and part of PTSD is avoidance. So mindfulness-based stress reduction represents a way that they can get access to treatment without having to, you know, plow through old memories and without having to take meditation. And we think that also, um, for some people, it seems to be that that the, the, the veterans and people in general that, that believe in, in mindfulness and are interested in it seem to do the best. And there's a, there's a spiritual element um, that, that people uh, bring away from the, uh, the training and, and the understanding of, you know, of, of what's happened to them in their life and their combat experience in, in the overall context of themselves, you know, in their culture and their world that I think is valuable and it's not always easy to quantitate. Uh, yeah, I would agree with Dr. Bremner. And when you think about it, approximately one-third of uh, veterans who are recovering from post-traumatic stress discontinue a medicine or a evidence-based psychotherapy prematurely because of difficulty tolerating those treatments. Um, however, I want to remind everyone that mindfulness is never intended to replace these evidence-based treatments. They are called complementary and integrative health approach meant to augment or facilitate a person's recovery um, in combination with evidence-based treatments. So we also think uh, that many um, people who are not able to tolerate other treatments, once they go through a, um eight-week course in mindfulness, can return to or revisit the cognitive, behavioral, or prolonged exposure type therapies and be more successful at tolerating it. Hmm, very interesting. And I want to talk specifically now about some of the research you've both been involved in. Uh, recently, you both helped conduct a, a study funded by VA uh, that was a randomized controlled trial of mindfulness, specifically MBSR, uh, in veterans with PTSD, uh, involved more than 200 veterans. Um, and you assessed the results at several time points, including two months after the program had ended, after the MBSR program and the control therapy had ended. And in this trial, you compared MBSR to a type of psychotherapy called present-centered therapy, which does not focus on people's traumas. It doesn't expose them to those memories, and it's often used as a control treatment in these types of trials. And I want to just share with our listeners the Briefly, the conclusion from that trial, as it was published uh, recently in the in the journal Psychiatric Research and Clinical Practice, uh, here was the conclusion of the study. It said both MBSR and present-centered group therapy appear to have beneficial effects in treating PTSD in veterans, with greater improvement observed in self-reported PTSD symptoms among the MBSR group. No differences between the groups were observed on the CAPS-4 scale, which is a way of measuring uh, PTSD symptoms. Uh, so in this trial, you didn't see any 
dramatic advantage to MBSR over the control therapy, the present-centered group therapy. Uh, but both of you had also been involved in a pilot study that led up to this larger study. And in that pilot, you, you saw positive results from MBSR that were more dramatic than what you saw in this larger trial. Uh, in fact, in the pilot study, uh, the mindfulness intervention clearly outperformed present-centered group therapy in terms of reducing uh, PTSD symptoms uh, even six months later. So that was seemed like it was pretty significant. And along similar lines, uh, a couple of years ago, VA had funded a trial that was published in JAMA uh, in 2015. Different researchers uh, out in Minneapolis, they also saw uh, stronger results from MBSR or better results from MBSR compared with the present-centered group therapy, although the overall effect was modest, as they termed it. Um, so tell me, just take a step back. If we look at the cumulative body of literature here, all these trials that have now been conducted, or in VA at least, what have we learned uh, at the very least about the feasibility and acceptability of MBSR among veterans? Okay, I'm going to start with that question, but then I'm going to let Doug comment on the pilot study. Mm -hmm. uh, First of all, present-centered group therapy is, is, a, is, is not technically a psychotherapy. It's, it's more of a control group where yeah. it has some health education, some psychosocial support, but it does have active therapeutic elements, um, and it does have an effect. Uh, mindfulness, um, also the studies you're referring to that were really more positive were single-site studies. So those tend to behave better in terms of um, you have more of a homogeneous sample. You only have uh, one or two therapists, usually the same therapists throughout the whole. Uh, so you have less variability. Mm. Our study was a multi-site study, which is very different um, over three sites. So we had, uh, I believe, over the course of the study, at least six different mindfulness uh, therapists, uh, two at each site. And uh, that adds to some of the variability. We were also in a rural area, Alabama, Georgia, uh, South Carolina. So we had uh, we were um, working with rural veterans as opposed to uh, the other study in Minneapolis being more urban, um, uh, nor northern um, veterans mm -hmm. geography there. So we might have had some cultural differences as well. Um, so the feasibility, it is feasible. I'm not totally sold that it's acceptable in its current format for rural um, Deep South veterans because we did have quite a large dropout, about a third dropped out in our study compared to 10% in the Minneapolis study. So we do need to understand uh, better in future studies about the the cultural diversity and how maybe to give a preamble or a pre-commitment kind of sampling of mindfulness to, to reduce some of its, um, uh, just, just to help veterans in our area of the world um, have a better understanding of it before they commit uh, to the practice and what, what would make it more acceptable uh, for um, different parts of, of the country. So our our initial pilot study uh, did appear to um, show a uh, 
a more positive response than the three-site study, uh, and that those those effects were sustained at three months after the end of the session. I think there's a couple of things to say about that. Number one, in general, um, initial pilot studies tend to be more um, more frequently, uh, you know, show positivity than than follow-up studies with larger samples. And one reason is, as Dr. Davis pointed out, is the fact that you get uh, more homogeneity of, of the of the teachers. So we had one teacher administering the MBSR, and and um, you know we were kind of in in uh, we're able to to keep an eye on 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 that um, in the multi-site trial. We actually had positive results at two of the sites, and one of the sites was not as much. But we did get um, the self-report PTSD symptoms did improve. The clinician-administered um, symptoms did not improve. That to me that says that, and that seems to be a pattern in all of the studies. Seem to be getting better results on self-reported symptoms. My interpretation of that would be that that people feel like they're getting a benefit, or they feel better, even though they're you know they may actually not their, their sleeping is not as improved as much as they you know as they feel that they've got benefit from. But that's a good thing because you know ultimately what we want to do is we want to. Um, to help our patients um, feel better and have a, a better quality of life. The other thing is that the pilot study involved Iraqi veterans who, you know, had severe PTSD and, and they were uh, captured within one year of returning from uh, deployment. So they had early PTSD. They're more amenable, I think, to intervention. And if, I, they may have had more severe symptoms, so it's easier to show an effect. But overall, I, I look at the entire literature. There's nobody that shows that doesn't have any benefit at all. So I think that that for certain people who, especially those who are interested in mindfulness and and read about it and understand the principles behind it, um, it's a, it's another tool in our tool chest for veterans. Mm -hmm. Yes, and one last comment: our results were included, um, even though our paper was not published. We shared our results with the investigator who did a meta-analysis of all of nine randomized controlled trials of PTSD. So it weighed in, and the effect size was equivalent or on par with medications. Uh, so it was a, a positive um, medium effect size for MBSR compared to um, active control groups. That were used. Hmm. Well, that's an interesting uh, that, point. That's an important statement that um, these effects are um, definitely there. They are reflected better in the self-report scale. I think veterans don't tolerate the clinician-administered PTSD scale. They turn. They tend to learn. Uh, you know that if they answer no to a question, it gets them through this interview a lot faster. So there's might be some. Uh, inflation of uh, the outcome scores, and it kind of equals out over time between the groups. So I, I do um, uh, have confidence in the self-report scores where they are able to op openly discuss their, you know, to declare what their symptoms are um, without the pressure of an interviewer. And I appreciate the thorough description of the study results uh, that you both have offered. So bottom line at this point, given the, the literature to date, including your most recent trial, what do you see as the status of mindfulness as a treatment for PTSD in, in clinicians' arsenal, so to speak? Um, where is it, how should it be seen by clinicians 
uh, as an option for treating veterans uh, who are struggling with PTSD? I would see that, that mindfulness-based stress reduction is another tool that, that uh, VA clinicians can use. I think that there's a place for mindfulness classes with, you know, that are associated with, with uh, VA mental health clinics. Our clinic in Atlanta, the um, Atlanta Veterans Clinic in Decatur, Georgia, has a uh, group that's a mindfulness training group that uh, meet, you know, that veterans with uh, PTSD or anxiety disorders can can participate in. It's of course all voluntary. Some veterans are attracted to the uh, to the, some of the concepts that, that can be taught, and they can learn things that they can use in their daily life. And and the, the side effects are really minimal. You know, we we had some concern that. The, about doing mindfulness in veterans, and maybe people don't grasp the concept or they might dissociate, but we haven't had any real negative effects. So I think that they should, they should be made available for veterans that choose to, to um, attend these, these classes. Right. I would agree with Dr. Bremner. Um, the thing that, that uh, is a limitation is not all VAs are offering mindfulness uh, groups and, and um, so it may not be immediately available in all of the community-based uh, clinics, um, especially in rural areas. So there is, for, for me, what I do, because Tuscaloosa does not have uh, many offerings, is um, there is a mindfulness coach app that's available on the National Center for PTSD website, and I hand out that um, a flyer about that uh, so that they might use uh, this uh, nine guided um, audio session, self-guided version, and then use that uh, as a way to be introduced um, until they can find um, a group to, to participate in face-to-face. -face. Okay, and there might be groups outside of VA, I imagine, if a veteran is in an area where his or her VA is not yet offering some type of mindfulness program? Absolutely, and the cost is, is very low and sometimes offered for free at community centers. Um, um, so I think it's very much worth looking around the community for uh, groups that are using mindfulness meditation. You know, our, our clinic is organized that we have psychiatrists like myself that are providing medication, and then we have these primary therapists, which are usually social workers or psychologists, who are um, also, you know, we work in a team who are also assigned to individual patients. They're responsible for coordinating their care. And most of the, of the care that the therapists are delivering is not just meeting for a half hour once a month and, you know, kind of general supportive therapy where that is specific focus. Most of, the, most of the groups are very focused. And so we have a trauma one-on-one -on -one group. We have a, a, a cognitive behavioral therapy for depression group. And we have a mindfulness group. So it's you can you can organize your clinic in such a way that you can, in a cost-effective way, use groups to deliver, you know, mindfulness training and um, for people that uh, that that are interested and may benefit from it. So it's not necessarily a cost-prohibitive uh, problem. So yes, and during this research, we developed a manual, so it's very hard to get your hands on. Uh, a good eight-week manual. So I'd like to offer any of uh, your listeners, if they want to get in touch with me, we, we would definitely share our eight-week uh, manual that gives session-by-session session, um, guidance on how to 
to... Uh, okay, and you're talking there mainly about clinicians who would want to take yeah. advantage of that. Mm-hmm. Okay, great. I want to ask... And that's that. also been, been customized for veterans. Right. It oh, was okay. used in our research project, um, so it's customized for veterans as well as for PTSD. Most previous manuals were more generic for depression or pain, um, anxiety, and so we we added uh, a consultation with uh, many experts, including people like uh, Dr. Carmody from uh, University of Massachusetts Center for Mindfulness, uh, contributing to that manual. And, and I'd like to add that an example of how we've, we've uh, um, specified it for veterans would be that all, all soldiers have to go through a rifle training, and including a sniper training. And part of the training is that they teach veterans to focus on their breath because as you breathe in and out, there can be minute movements of the rifle that affect your aim. And so we say it's like a, a rifle training where you're taught to focus on your breath, and we'd like you to do the same thing you know, as part of these classes. So we, we customized it to be, and also to be in a language that is accessible for them, you know, and written in a um, you know, high school level educational. So it's, it's not too complex and, yeah, and uh, not too, you know, strange. Another veteran example that I have is someone who was in the study, went through the mindfulness um, sessions, and still comes back years later saying that he uses the principles when he's getting triggered, which would commonly lead to aggressive, uh, threatening type behavior. He uses the technique to stop, notice, and then let it go. So yeah. the veterans, they, they, they find messages in our, uh, the manual that we would have never uh, highlighted each each patient goes through it individually and finds and makes use of the practice and puts it into their own words. And so he he has a a way of using focusing on his breath, attending to his body, and saying let it go, rather than avoid it. He's he's noticing it and then letting it go. Yeah, that would be a great example of how what I think the benefit is, is that, that these are tools that we're teaching people that they can add to um, the other tools that they have to, to deal with their chronic symptoms. So it may not necessarily be a cure for PTSD, but um, this is a chronic condition, and I think the more tools we can give the veterans to help them in their day-to-day life, um, um, you know, especially to avoid violent outbursts, the better. And I agree with Dr. Bremer, what you said earlier, the side effects are minimal because you've written a great deal on the side effects of uh, different medications. So it's sort of a low-risk, low-cost intervention. Yeah, yeah. And mindfulness sounds like something uh, we we, we would all benefit from, veteran or not, uh, if you have any particular uh, mental health issues. conditions you're dealing with or not, it sounds like a great tool, and I know many people in general have been discovering mindfulness. I'm curious, anecdotally, I don't know, uh, with regard to the two of you, whether you've actually uh, incorporated mindfulness into your own lives, uh, especially since being involved in the research, but I'm curious about researchers who may have been involved in your studies who did not have uh, so much knowledge about mindfulness beforehand, but once they got involved with it and familiar with it, whether they uh, ended up developing developing a practice of their own or using some of these techniques? Well, I'll be the first to say yes, I, I do. 
Um, also to realize you do not have to meditate in a dark room on a cushion, even though that, that helps your practice. You can meditate anywhere, anyhow, for a few minutes, mm-hmm. including a VA executive meeting if you're in there <laughs> and, and, you know, some, some pressure situation is developing high stress topic. Take a minute or two and meditate. Go back to the breath. Yes. Be, uh, be aware of the, the current state and then reattend to the meeting. I mean, don't you agree, Doug? This meditation is anywhere, anytime, all day. <laughs> yeah, I, I'd say that there's, there's just some, some sort of general principles that probably most of us were not really. Uh, aware of, you know, 10 years ago before we got involved. And, you know, we were encouraged to take the classes. And originally I said, well, we don't want to, we don't want to um, uh, mix the research and the, you know, with the people who are delivering the treatment because we want to remain unbiased and, and you know, not, not involved in that. We just want to measure the outcome, mm-hmm. not get involved in. That's true because usually in research. I have, I have to say that, you know, mm-hmm. it, when you, see these things and read about them and then you apply it to your own life. And I've read John Kabat-Zinn's books. Um, it, it is sort of a way of approaching the world and, and um, it is, you know, I think it does bring, I think it's useful for everyone and not just people with the, the psychiatric disorders. Okay. Now that there's been a couple of good-sized randomized trials uh, and some pretty uh, favorable results for MBSR, are you both planning any further research at this point? What types of research do you think uh, are needed at this point to further investigate mindfulness uh, as a potential tool for veterans with PTSD? I, I think that we we have enough information to know that, that it's, it's useful and, and um, should be implemented. You know, I'm, I'm not a, a big fan of, of imposing mandatory treatment, you know, across all centers. Um, you know, so for future, yeah, for future research, I'm currently mentoring a someone with a career development award who's uh, testing this for specifically reducing anger and aggression in veterans with post-traumatic stress disorder. So I think there is um, future research has to do with different outcomes for different subgroups. And um, then we are also doing uh, mindfulness-based cognitive um, stress reduction in patients who are recovering from addictions. So uh, that's another fruitful area. Um, And then, you know, there's just all sorts of ideas for for how to further develop it um, that are being uh, bounced around. But those two studies that I just mentioned, uh, we're involved with. Okay. It sounds like there's some exciting uh, research going on, continuing to look at mindfulness and MBSR for veterans, different populations of veterans who are coping with different types of issues. Uh, definitely important work for VA and for veterans. I want to thank, again, Dr. Lori Davis and Dr. J. Douglas Bremner for being with us today on Voices of VA Research. To learn more about VA research in general, you can visit our website, research.va.gov. I'm Mitch Merkin. Thanks for joining us on Voices of VA Research. Mm-hmm.